Welcome in everyone to 32 Beat Beyond the Tweets. My name is Zach Hajduk, and today we circle back around with Packers Beat reporter Andy Herman. As you know, the podcast took a short break while I was out for a couple of weeks after the birth of my son, but now we're back and going to keep bringing you conversations with beat writers as well as with the 32 Beat Writer staff. Look for a couple more episodes this week, in fact. Now, let's just dive right into this conversation with Andy. Hey, everyone. Today I have with us for the second time on the show, Green Bay Packers beat writer Andy Herman. If you don't already know, Andy is a beat writer with PackerReport.com and owner and host of the Pack-A-Day podcast. If you haven't listened, check that out. He's also an NFL Scout School graduate, as we've mentioned before on the show. And if you're looking for him on X, the site formerly known as Twitter, you can find him at Andy Herman NFL. Uh, so, Andy, uh, thanks for joining us again. I really appreciate having you on. You know, we're uh, six weeks through the season now. Packers are just coming off of their bye and heading into week seven here. As we kind of take stock of where we're at right now, coming off the bye, who are the Packers? Oh, man, I wish I knew. And I wish uh, I had a perfect sil- silver bullet answer for that. In a, in a way, and I did a video on this the other day, they are who we thought they were, to quote the great uh, Dennis Green. Um, we knew that this was part of what Green Bay signed up for this season. They have a ton of dead cap. They moved on from Devontae Adams two offseasons ago, Aaron Rodgers last offseason. They're the youngest team in football. And then they've got a ton of dead cap hits. And on top of that, the injuries that they've had so far, which is never an excuse in the NFL. We can go team by team, and every team can say the same thing. But it has been really difficult for this team who has very minimal veterans, especially veterans who are on high price contracts. A lot of them, if not almost most of them, have been hurt up until this point. Aaron Jones only playing in week one. David Bakhtiari, or basically only week one. He played a handful of snaps against the Lions. But David Bakhtiari only playing in week one. Elton Jenkins missed a couple games. Devondre Campbell's missed a few games. Jair Alexander missed games. Like It's just the the who's who. Christian Watson's another one. there's been a ton of really difficult injuries for this team to have to sort of play through when you sort of group all of that together, an extremely young and inexperienced team with some really crippling injuries to some of their very key players, some key players that they've moved on from over the past couple of seasons and a ton of dead salary cap. You're going to get a team that feels very disjointed and doesn't feel quite like themselves. I think that's what we've seen. I think we maybe got a little bit of fool's gold against the bears in week one, where they looked pretty darn good in that game. Part of that's just because they played the Bears, if we're being honest. They came out strong Mm. against the Falcons, and then since then, it's been a big struggle. The fourth quarter against the Falcons, all but one quarter against the Saints, the Lions game, the Raiders game, just hasn't been up to that same level. Like I said, part of that's what we knew going into this season and what the Packers signed up for. I think the big concern in Green Bay right now and some of the things that are being looked at is with a young, inexperienced team, we knew some of the errors and mistakes would happen what you're looking for is progress. And unfortunately what we've seen over the course of the past handful of weeks has been regression and a lot of the same mistakes over and over again. So it's not so much that this isn't a a two and three team that we didn't expect. It's more of just, you wanted to see a bit more progress, especially from some of these younger players. 
Yeah, yeah, it's been interesting to watch here. Um, and that Raiders game was certainly tough. Uh, yeah. so yeah, like you mentioned, they started the year off uh, against the Bears 38 to 20 there. And I heard some people like, oh my goodness, they moved on from Aaron Rodgers and they got the next best thing. Um, which you know, of course, is always going to be you have to take that type of stuff with a grain of salt. That that's kind of calmed down a little bit. Uh, I think Jordan loves somewhere around what 55% or something on completion percentage, which we can talk about later. And I know there's context to that, but then uh, lost by a point to the Falcons uh, won by a point over the new Orleans saints, and then uh, lost got behind to, uh, on the, to the Detroit lions. And, and then uh, again, we had that primetime game with the Raiders where Jordan love had those three interceptions, which again, there's context that last one at the very end of the game to uh you know, targeting Christian Watson there in the end zone and just uh, an unfortunate uh, happening there. But um, yeah, you spoke about Aaron Jones. He's a big part of that offense. Uh, He's a little bit older. And so, of course, hamstring issues, and I believe that's what he's dealing with at the moment, uh, can pop up for, for those type of guys. And as we saw that that has happened, but on the most recent podcast that uh, you posted uh, Monday here for anybody looking to check it out, you uh, mentioned 12 easy ways to fix the Packers. And that's kind of what you looked at. And Aaron Jones was one of the guys you brought up there. Can you give us a little more context onto that and how you think, assuming he's healthy, maybe hopefully here coming off the bye, they can use him to get a little bit back on track? Well, it's number one, right? He has to be healthy and he's got to be able to provide what we're used to seeing Aaron Jones provide he's just a special player. And when you have an offense that again, and over the past couple seasons has lost an Aaron Rodgers and a Devonte Adams. Now David Bakhtiari's out for the year again, you're just left with, you know, uh, needing a guy like that, that can kind of carry your offense. Matt LaFleur gave an interesting question the other day when talking about the identity of his team, he didn't necessarily bring up like a core concept identity. He almost brought up players as well. And you can tell that, you know, one of the things that this team needs is just a player who can get them some big playmaking plays, some explosive yardage, and just that they can lean on in some difficult situations. They've really missed that over the past few games. I know it was Chicago in week one, but it's also not a surprise that the week their offense looked the best was the week that they had a fully healthy Aaron Jones. And when I say they need to get Aaron Jones more involved, part of that clearly is the, you know, just him being out due to injury. But there have been times over the course of the past few seasons, and it actually even goes back to Mike McCarthy's time in Green Bay, where for whatever reason, this team just gets away from Aaron Jones and they don't always utilize him the way that they can. And I'm not saying you need to feed him 30 times a game or anything like that. That's not going to probably do Aaron Jones any favors either, but I do think he needs to be the focal point of the offense. He has to be a player that you're consistently trying to get the ball in the hands of. And I think what that does for this specific team, when you mentioned earlier of some of the context around Jordan love, it's really hard to gain a pure evaluation right now because they can't run the ball because they can't run the ball play action is really suffering. Two of his interceptions are on plays where the linebacker basically doesn't bite on play action at all. They kind of take a false step forward and then immediately drop back in their zone. If that's an Aaron Jones or a talented running back that you have to, that's consistently getting yards through the game, those linebackers might take a few more steps towards Aaron Jones. Instead, Mm -hmm. they're just kind of waiting back and seeing what happens. And if you hand it to an AJ Dillon or an Emmanuel Wilson or a Patrick Taylor, so be it. Good luck we don't really care that much. And I think that can open up a lot of that play action attack, give Jordan love a little bit more opportunity uh, to not have to, you know, throw as much and be the guy on every single down. That's kind of making this offense go. And I just think it opens up everything for this offense. So they've definitely missed him as a focal point and they need to use him to the best of his abilities. Once he gets back. 
So since you mentioned the offense and uh, just in general, I saw something on Twitter. I'm just going to say Twitter at the moment where you uh, tweeted uh, something about uh, Matt LaFleur, the coach versus Matt LaFleur, the play caller. Uh, How does that like what what does that look like? You mentioned that specifically against the Raiders. How are those two things different? Is how is the head coach helping himself in one way, but maybe hurting himself in another or limiting himself in, in certain capacities, do you think? Well, I think there's been a lot of frustrations with Matt LaFleur, the play caller, and what plays that he's specifically calling and not getting this offense going early. And it's been until the third quarter where they really start to get going. And there's definitely some fair criticisms. I think they need to get Jordan Love moving a little bit more. I think they need to lean into the RPO game a little bit more, some more bootlegs. I think there's some things, that just, and there's just been some head-scratching plays that have been called from time to time. The handoff to Christian Watson against the Raiders was one where your offensive line hasn't blocked really in four or five weeks, and now you're doing a long, developing, sweeping play to Christian Watson. It just Some of that stuff leaves you scratching your head a little bit. But my overarching point here was I think there's a lot of blame for Matt LaFleur, the head coach, and there's a lot of things that I think this team can be doing differently to prepare this team a little bit better and to make sure that they're ready to play on Sundays. But Matt LaFleur, the play caller, is sort of hamstrung a little bit by Matt LaFleur, the head coach, in that regards, because right now this team, and especially with some of those injuries that we mentioned, there's not much that they're doing well. It's hard as a play caller to call plays when you can't run the ball at all. They're averaging, you know, three like in the small three point somethings yard yards per carry. Like they have no efficiency in the running game. We just talked about teams are no longer really biting on play action whatsoever. So that's handicapping your, uh, you know, your your play action game. They've been extremely inefficient throwing the ball down the field. They tried to get the screen game going this past game. That didn't work at all there's just not much left on the play sheet and you can be like, well, they got to attack the opposing defenses for what they're doing. The opposing defenses aren't doing a whole heck of a lot. They're getting home with four rushers and they're just playing seven in coverage. They're staying back. They're keeping everything in front of them. And green Bay just doesn't have an answer for it from a playmaking standpoint and just from a scheme standpoint. So I don't think that there's much that's on the play sheet that Matt LaFleur can all of a sudden be. It's not like he's like, ignoring this huge portion of his play sheet that's just going to unlock the offense. This is a more fundamental issue of they're not blocking great. They can't run the ball. They're not throwing the ball deep. Their screen game is disjointed. Those are the things that have to be worked on to get to the point where Matt LaFleur's play calling probably looks a little bit better. Right now, there's just not much on the play sheet that looks very good for him as the play caller. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, they had the bye this week. So if anything, what changes do you expect, you know, a lot of teams use that bye week and they happen to have one kind of early in the season here. What changes do you expect coming out of the bye week uh, that maybe they can they can uh, do in those respects? I'm sure there's going to be a little bit more of a self-scout seeing some of the things that they're not doing very well. I think, again, the difficult thing here is I don't know that there's necessarily like, all right, well, let's start this player instead of that player or let's get this player more on the field. I think it's a lot of like I said, the, the basics, the fundamentals, this is a team that doesn't block very well. Their offense, there's times where guys are in motion when they're not supposed to be in motion. We see three, uh, or I should say a handful of plays where there's two or three wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, all in the same spot on the field. Those are the sort of things that you expect a little bit from a young team, but that's also the stuff that needs to get cleaned up. This is not a, a team that is competing for a Super Bowl in 2023. Everyone knows that. 
what we want to see and what everyone kind of wants to see is, is progress for this team on the little things, the small things, so that when these guys are veterans in 2024, 25, 26, and beyond, that they have all of those things mastered. And right now, it's been a struggle for that. But you want to start seeing them have a little bit more of that attention to detail, focusing on the little things more, because those are the things that are going to make you a better team. If anything, I think they need to sort of scale things down and become more simplistic, which is interesting because it's something that Aaron Rodgers echoed quite a bit last season uh, to Mm -hmm. some differing, uh, you know, variations of what people thought of that. But I think in large part, as of right now, as I'm looking at this, I think he was right probably then. And I think he'd be right now if he said something the same way, obviously not on the team anymore, but you get my point, um, that this team probably needs to get the, the basics down and be a little bit more simple and then expand after that once they start mastering a handful of concepts. Yeah, and when we talked to you before the season here, uh, we talked about the rookies. You mentioned a lot of young guys. Uh, how have the rookies looked, specifically You know, the tight ends and Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave? Uh, and then uh, Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks. Uh, I saw, you know, there's been a couple key plays, actually. You mentioned Wicks before the season as a guy that might surprise us a little bit. And uh, there's been a couple times where like, oh, hey, there he is. He's making a play there. So how have those four guys specifically and anybody else maybe that uh, pops to your head, how have those guys looked uh, just so far in general? Yeah, you always hear sometimes that, you know, you can tell sometimes when rookies are thinking out on the field, the Packers have quite a few rookies that are still thinking when they're out on the field. I think Lucas Van Ness, their first round pick, their edge rusher, is a great example of that. A huge ball of clay, raw athleticism, speed, power, all of it. He has all of those tools at his disposal. You can tell he has not really an idea yet of how to exactly use it and put a pass rush plan together. He's still learning on the fly and you can see him kind of thinking as he's out there. Luke Musgrave, another great example of that. He is another player who has all the athleticism in the world. His feet get a little ahead of him at times. He's prone to stumbling in and out of his breaks and once he catches the ball, but he can you know, really stretch the seam. He can draw coverage. He's got speed after the catch. Those are all things that they can utilize, but you can also tell that one of the plays where there was multiple players in the same spot was Luke Musgrave. And you could see he got chewed out you know, right on national TV by Matt LaFleur after the play. Those are the growing pains that they're going through. I think at wide receiver, the two wide receivers, still some growing pains, but Dontavian Wicks, Jaden Reed, you can tell there's a lot to like there, and they are starting to get open more and more. Dontavian Wicks is a player we probably need to see more of and probably isn't being talked about enough just because the volume hasn't come his way. He has found ways to consistently get open. He's an effort player in the running game as well. Uh, I think you're going to start seeing four key wide receivers. I think you're going to see less of Samore Toure and just more of Reed Wicks and then Dobbs and Watson. Uh, Tucker Craft, another player who is completely learning on the fly, coming from a smaller school, learning one of the toughest positions to transition from college to the NFL, because you have to learn all the passing concepts, all the pass pro concepts, all the run blocking concepts. It's basically all the things you need to learn as an offensive lineman and as a wide receiver rolled into one. And you can tell he is going through it right now. He got a little bit more playing time this past this past week. And then one player, a couple other players I'll shout out really quick. I think Carl Brooks is somebody that uh, it has been a really nice rotational defensive lineman. He's got some pass rushing juice and some chops. He's got really strong hands. He's got a go-to move how we, you know, to, to get to the quarterback. He's been kind of a pleasant surprise as a, I believe it was sixth round pick. And then Anders Carlson, the kicker, the kicker who in training camp and preseason, everyone was like, oh my goodness, this guy's making like 50% of his kicks. He hasn't missed yet in a regular season game. Knock on wood, he's been really, really good when the, the, the games have counted when it's mattered. So some ups and downs from this draft class as you would sort of expect. 
Yeah, we saw a lot of uh, the Carlson uh, brothers on yes. <laughs> that primetime game against the Raiders. So um, I thought that was funny. Yeah, I went to go pick up uh, a kicker in my my one fantasy league, and I, I didn't realize there were two Carlsons in the world. So uh, that was kind of fun. And now if you didn't know before, you certainly do. Um, you mentioned uh, Van Ness and uh, Brooks on defense there. Coming into the season as well, that was kind of one of the units that we knew the offense was going to have its ups and downs, right? And the defense over the last couple of years has probably struggled than most people would expect it to. And uh, coming into every year, we're like, all right, this defense, you know, it's loaded. We're going to just, we should see some awesome results here, hopefully. And there was a little bit of concerns about maybe the defensive coordinator and Joe Barry and how that was going to work. But uh, overall, what's your gauge on that, Ben? The offense certainly hasn't helped them out at times. So, you know, you have to, to measure everything considering this context, but what have you seen from them overall as a unit? And do you think that they can uh, help solidify uh, just and stabilize that team a little bit going forward uh, to maybe help the offense out a little bit extra uh, down the stretch? I think that's the hope. And that's, and that's, I know what Jair Alexander said this past week that the defense has to kind of be the unit that leads this Packers team moving forward, especially with the offense struggling to put up points. A lot of people will point to, and this team has eight first round picks on defense alone and the players that aren't, you know, the, the eight first round picks, it's a lot of guys like Rizul Douglas, who they gave a good contract to Devondre Campbell, who they gave a big contract to Preston Smith, who they gave a big contract to. So you have this blend of, you know, first round picks and high paid talent, and you're expecting a return on your investment for all of the resources that they put into that. I think part of the tough part is evaluating all right, did they did they buy the wrong ingredients or did they hire the wrong chef? That's the the big analogy right now. Is it, is it Brian Gutekinds who spent all this money and all these premium draft picks but didn't get the return on investment, or is you know is it the defensive coordinator who's not getting the most out of all of that talent? I think a lot of people lean a little bit more towards Joe Barry. How I would put this defense so far, it's it, it's been okay, it's been fine at times, and I will say this defense should probably be three and two right now. The, the Packers, of course, are two and three. The, the game against the Bears, they allow 14 points in the real heart of the game, and then they allow six complete garbage time points that didn't matter at all. Against the Saints, it's a 17-point Saints performance, but seven of that was a punt return for a touchdown. The defense only allowed 10 points in that game. And then the last game uh, against the Raiders, yes, they allow 17 points against the Raiders. Three of that was off of an interception by Jordan Love within their own 10-yard line, and the defense did a phenomenal job of, you know, holding that to a field goal. So really they only allow kind of 14 points and they set up the offense for their low, you know, one of their really only touchdown drives with a Rudy Ford interception. I think the defense is probably the one that is ahead of the offense and even the special teams at this point. Is it as good as I think everyone wants it to be based on all the resources that they pumped into it? No, I don't think so. But I think just, we can always point to like, this team has all these first round picks. Well, are they playing like first round picks? I think that is uh, something that we have to look at. Part of it has been, again, injuries. Jair's been out a little bit. Eric Stokes has not played yet this season. Uh, and they have had some injuries across the defense. Rashawn Gary has still been on a, a pitch count, even though he's looked fantastic coming back from the ACL injury. Darnell Savage has not played traditionally like a first round pick in his five years now in the NFL. You know, um, Lucas Van Ness is not ready to play at that level quite yet. He's, again, kind of that raw ball of clay that they're hoping in a couple of years will have that same sort of Rashawn Gary trajectory that Rashawn Gary went through where he didn't have a huge impact his first year, but kind of got better year over year. So you have some of these these first round players that, you know, Devontae White, Quay Walker, we can go on and on, who are good players, but maybe not playing quite up to that first round expectation. 
So that's kind of where things are at right now is you've got kind of this mix of, is it the coordinator? Is it the GM that picked the players? They're fine. They're not terrible enough to probably get anyone fired at this point, but they're not good enough to be a top 10 defense. And it's just fine. It's meh. It's okay. That's where they're at right now. Okay. Yeah. And we'll get an opportunity to see how they do here coming off the bye. The Packers play that struggling Broncos team uh, and hopefully have an opportunity, in my opinion, to force the Broncos into like a hard sell mode right here before the trade deadline. Uh, Give me a preview a little bit, if you don't mind, of what you kind of expect that game to look like. Uh, Offensively, uh, maybe they have a chance here because they gave up 70 points to the uh, Dolphins, although the Dolphins are just on fire. But um, how do you see that game playing out? Do you think they can uh, grab a win here, even though, you know, you can't ever count anything as a win before you go into the week, but Hopefully, you know, coming off the bye, they can get right against these Broncos. I think this could have a similar sort of game as the Raiders game. And I'm not saying that that means the Packers lose. I'm just saying you have two teams that aren't playing good football right now. And it's probably going to look not the prettiest at times. You're probably going to get some mistakes on both sides that lead to big plays for the other. I think when, you know, Green Bay fans are used to looking at a team like Denver and circling it and be like, all right, that's a W. That's a get right game. That's a whatever you want to call it. Teams are now looking at Green Bay when they're playing Green Bay and being like, all right, that's a get right game. I'm sure there are people in Denver that are like, you know what? This hasn't been the season that we expected so far, but we've got Green Bay coming in. And Green Bay's bye week is sort of counterfeit by the fact that the the Broncos get a mini bye coming off of Thursday night football. So they're going to have time to sort of reset and, and look at some things as well. And I think Denver's looking at this in the same way Green Bay is, as a potential get right game. And I'm sure Sean Payton and Russell Wilson and those guys, they, they've heard all the, the stuff about their team. They're going to want to play at home somewhere that Green Bay has really struggled with over the years is playing in Denver. Now, you know, Denver's looking at that game as a potential get right game for them. So I think we're going to see a game that, again, I don't think is the, the best brand of football from either sides. Both of these teams are desperately looking for answers in any way that they can. I do think there's a really good chance that Green Bay can come out with a win in this one just because of, of how Denver's playing. But like you said, when you have two teams like this, like you, you can't circle anything or take anything for granted. And I think Green Bay is going to have to really fight and claw to pick up this win, even against a poor Denver team. All right. Well, we'll have to uh, see how that goes. I'm excited to watch that game, like we mentioned. And uh, just considering the overall nature of the NFC here um, and their division specifically, the Lions look really good. You know, they opened up against the Chiefs and and beat them. And and the Lions, as I mentioned, already have uh, a head-to-head over the Packers. So winning the division is probably out of the reasonable range of outcomes there. Uh, there's a lot of teams though in the NFC floating around with three wins or less, uh, including the the uh, Vikings, who are I think two and four at the moment, uh, just below them in the NFC North. There is there a possibility that the Packers can sneak in as a wild card uh, as a wild card in the playoffs this year? Do you think? I wouldn't bet on it at the moment. And that's more based on how they're playing as a team. I will say this, the the schedule isn't insanely hard for Green Bay. They do have enough winnable games on their schedule that they could make that push if they start playing a better brand of football. This team just has to figure out themselves first and, you know, just making sure that, again, they're playing the the level of football that they need to play at to just sort of win games and go into Denver and and win that type of football game against a bad team. I think we're going to learn a lot about this Green Bay team over the next two weeks. They've got Denver. Again, we, we talked about them not very good. And then you've got Minnesota in Green Bay without Justin Jefferson. 
they win those two games. And then I think that playoff conversation of like, okay, they can beat, you know, some of the not great teams. They might have enough not great teams left on their schedule where they can make a push. And maybe if they get a win against a, a team that they, you know, are going to be, you know, underdogs against or something like that, then yeah, that, I think they could make that push. If they go one and one, I'll repeat the Denny Green thing. They probably are who we thought they were, a team that's probably a, a game below 500 and probably is not making that legitimate push for the playoffs. And if they lose both of those games to Denver and Minnesota, then look out, then you're in, okay, this is not just a young growing team. This is just a really bad football team. And then some things are probably going to have to change and how they're really kind of refocusing things moving forward. I think these next two weeks are going to tell a lot. And from, you know, Packer side of things, hopefully they pick up two easy wins and then they can start getting the ship righted in the right direction. Anything else, then it's going to be a little bit more of an adventure. All right. Well, Andy, thanks so much for joining us and uh, helping us understand kind of where we're at with the Packers at this point in the season. We appreciate the insight. But uh, before I let you go here, uh, just uh, reiterate where we can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter or X at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. Uh, you can find a new YouTube video uh, and a new podcast episode 365 days a year, both on YouTube and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So make sure to check that out as well. All right. Like Andy said, make sure to check the podcast out. Uh, thanks again for joining us. We will see you uh, hopefully again in the future here. Thanks so much, Zach.